Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, it's been a minute. Have you uh, have you slept at all? Are you are you awake? How's how's everything going? Uh, before we hit record, I think the first thing you said to me was that I look like I haven't slept since the last time you and I recorded together, which has been about two months. Uh, you recorded just a wellness check. I just. I well, I, I do appreciate that you uh, you did record with Scott, so that was good. I couldn't make the, the last recording. Uh, parenting has been interesting. Let's put it that way. Uh, Noah is eight months old as of Sunday. He has an ear infection, and when you think things can't get worse when he's teething and screaming and just unhappy all the time, then he got an ear infection. So <laughs> sleep has been, uh, I would say, at a premium, but that went to hell to high water while back so i'm just doing what i can in the, to words, alive. In the words of the uh, late great forrest gump uh parenting's like a box of chocolates you you do not know what you're gonna get I, I, yeah <laughs> yeah thankfully for tonight's podcast we got a good one uh and we, we promised the people at some point like two months ago that we were going to do team recaps we are starting that tonight and there is no better place to start than with our good friend our best friend Mr. Cam Underwood, he is our, our very favorite podcast guest when he comes on, and other times we tell Dan Rubin that he's our favorite, but it's fine. It's, it's good. Cam, welcome back to the show. Um, me and you and our third best friend, Scott, are here, and Mike is also here, but Cam, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, man, the three best friends and Mike uh, appreciate it, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, inviting me back and everything. Um, and yeah, you know, so actually this is this is a momentous occasion because you can all say hi Cam and you're actually talking to me live and direct, not with the delay of podcasting, because I do listen to every single episode and I hey. do hop in the group chat that we have and <laughs> we'll say, Okay, <laughs> you know, like uh and that that's become a, a standard troll, uh just in life that I've taken from uh you uh elsewhere, you know, to other people. Uh, you know, like uh you know, during basketball season. Uh, you know, and things like that. Like, oh, you know, we lost to Georgia Tech, who had not won an ACC game in the entire season to that point, uh, mm-hmm. with Miami being, you know, borderline top 10. And it's barely won anything since. I'd see Joey. Hi, Cam. You know, I was like, <laughs> yep. So, you know, <laughs> I've taken that, uh, you know, in, in reverse as well. But, yeah, you know, get to get to converse with you guys. I'm, I'm really excited, man. I'm, I'm very, very Cam, happy. Cam, I will say I, I was I was happy you jumped into the DMs and you were uh, ma- not mad. You laughed at my reverse Rosier reference. It's <laughs> <laughs> been a few podcasts yeah, ago I now, mean, but if you know, you know. Yes. Yeah. If if you know, you know. But that like literally made me <laughs> guffaw. Like I was, I don't know what I was doing. I don't, I don't remember if I was eating lunch and like I snarfed Gatorade or if I was like cleaning the kitchen and broke a dish. Or it was one of the two. But like there was like a visceral, physical reaction. I was just like, I had to stop what I'm doing and hop in the group chat because like, gee, Willikers, man, just came to me. Yeah, absolute out of nowhere. Yeah, sleep deprivation is a hell of a drug. Cam, let's talk about your Hurricanes. Um, I think of of all the teams in the ACC, this might be one of the most, call it jarring, results of the ACC season in terms of yeah. like expectations versus like what actually came to be. So for for those that don't remember, Miami again first year under Mario Cristobal. Uh, had gone through the whole thing. It was a bit of an ugly process getting rid of Manny Diaz, but you know we, we've got John Ruiz and some new funding. We're going to bring in Mario Cristobal, kind of staged a coup from Oregon that whole way. Um, it's thought to you know this is going to be a new era of Miami football. Yada yada yada. Um, comes in first couple of games, big win over Bethune Cookman, a pretty comfortable win over Southern Miss, close loss to Texas A and M, and then a forty five thirty one home loss to Middle Tennessee. And from there, Miami finishes five and seven, uh, misses a bowl game, a pretty clearly disappointing result. I, I guess for me, Cam, my, my first question, we, we mentioned a couple wins to start. The, the Texas A&M game was pretty well hyped. It was, a, it was a one-score game ultimately that was lost before the Middle Tennessee game happened. W- was that Middle Tennessee game the moment for you, or was there something beforehand that was like, something's off here, something's wrong, this is not going the way that we thought it was going to go? Like the real... Yeah, there were there were signs okay. ahead of 
Middle Tennessee. Not that like Middle Tennessee was going to have a once in 97 years vertical passing performance. Like there's been no game like that in like I couldn't like the explosive play rate and type that they had. I literally could not find comps. For it was ridiculous in doing the research. After. It was it was ridiculous. You know, they had I mean, I forget the numbers and I didn't pull them up. Uh, but it was just like every time that they threw the ball, it was it was going the length of the field. Like they had a 98-yard touchdown. They had an 89-yard pass completion that was not a touchdown. So, like they're backed up and everything. And they're just like, we're going to isolate this one linebacker who's not good in coverage and like throw a, what was it, a hook route or like a spot route in the middle of the defense. So the guy is stopped. Both feet, boom, turns, puts his shoulders to the quarterback, catches the ball facing his own goal line, and then whoop, whoop, whoop. 89 yards up the sideline, they score two plays later. You know, you get, um, I think we're playing cover four. I think it was cover, no, it was cover two. Um, But the safety takes the eye candy over the middle of the field. DJ Ivy, the cornerback, is, you know, he's carrying his guy up the side. But he's like, yo, I have help over the top. Psych. Where's the help? (laughs) I mean, I I would love that help. If that help were there. Yeah, but like whoever that the kid, he's still running somewhere here in South Florida because like he just was so open. I mean, yeah, he was so he was open by twenty yards for a play that started first and ten on the two after uh, we went for it on a fourth down and it wasn't uh, we didn't score. So then they got the ball on that and then it this is the first play off the sideline. They said, "Bam, we're going for it," you know. And I know that there have been teams that have thrown the ball vertically. I know that there's teams who have been successful. You know, God rest his soul, Mike Leach, he, you know, when he coached offense, he ran four verticals, and that was pretty much it. And everything was sight adjustments. He, like, I've read books about, you know, with that in there, you know, the Crispy Brown uh, smart football books, like other things. It's like, we're going to, and like Mike Leach called the play six. Because you, call, you dial it up. And you're going to score six, basically. But it's four verticals, and the quarterback and the receivers have side adjustments. And we're just going to do that all the time, right? An inspiration and to NCAA even, football players everywhere. Yep. Amen. But even <laughs> offenses like that did not have the performance that was seen from Middle Tennessee against Miami, right? Mm-hmm. My thing about it was, after two weeks of the season, when we – I mean – we won against Southern Miss 30 to 6, but like it didn't. We didn't really get a good hold on that game on the scoreboard until like midway through the fourth quarter. Like that was. Like they'd, they'd come out in the first game and run Frank Gore Jr. in Wildcat the whole entire game. So we planned for that. And they're like, no, we're going to run regular offense and did. And converted like 60% of their third downs, too, by the way. So. It's like, okay, like, yeah, we're able to lean on them and kind of be vanilla in the run game, but, like, it shouldn't have been that close. Miami scored, like, 30 seconds before halftime to make it 10 to 7, I think. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because it was 7 to 3, them. And we would have been down at the half if not for that late Henry Parrish rushing touchdown. But after that game, I wrote about the lack of explosiveness on offense. And it was stark. I mean, you're talking about 93rd or lower in pretty much every explosiveness metric, but top 15 in every efficiency metric. So you're like, you're being very efficient, but it's all, you know, nickels and dimes, nickels and dimes, nickels and dimes. I mean, actually, it's probably pennies and nickels because even a dime, like a 10-yard play, was, you know, the wildest thing ever. And to me, that's where I was like, I have concerns because if you can't dial something up, when you want it against Bethune and against Southern Miss, you know what I mean? I don't know that that ability exists. And this is really concerning to me. And people came back and they said, it's only two games. You don't know shit. You never played football. Da, 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 da. I'm like, I didn't, but like, I got a brain in my head and eyes that work. Like I'm, 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 I'm looking at this, bro. I'm telling you, but okay, fine. Cool. We go to Texas A&M play a really physical game. A tightly contested game, you know, for two teams that were preseason top 20, top 25 ranked. Um, and basically Tyreek Stevenson muffs a, 
a punt that loses us the game, more or less. Like, that was the play that lost it. But, you know, they got – they paid for the greatest recruiting class in history in 2022, and a lot of those dudes are – and I, I will say that openly and, like, whatever they did. And, like, hey, it's money well spent, you know. Um, so you, And they have a bunch of other guys on that team still, you know. And you're like, okay, they're a very <clears throat> talented team. That's one of – the teams that's more talented on paper than Miami on the schedule. Because going into the year, it was Texas A&M because, yeah, they bought that class, which is crazy. Clemson, endless. Like, there's no other team that's more talented on paper. Right. So you figure, okay, it's a close game, on the road, night game, college station, da 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 Then Middle Tennessee happened. And all of the moral victories from a close loss in college station, everything went out the window. Everything went out the window. And it was just like... Because Middle Tennessee hit all of their haymakers. Like, they – I'm a little older than you guys, but I don't know if you remember, like, a Pete Incavilia or, like, a Rob Deere from the 80s and 90s in mm. baseball. These dudes would have, like, 30, 35 home run seasons but hit, like, a hunt, like 189 because they'd strike out 200 Adam times. Adam Dunn. You know what I mean? Mm. Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn, there you yes, go. Yes, yeah. the, the true outcome guy. It was a walk, a home run, or a strikeout. Boom. Literally. That's it. You know? Like, literally, like, go look at Adam Dunn's career stats. Like, he was the three true outcomes, right? But he, like, but when he hit the ball, because he was going to be, a, he signed to Texas, actually, to be quarterback. Um, but he signed his Major League Baseball deal and ended up playing baseball. But dude is like 6'7", 270, you know, playing first base and right field, and he could hit it a literal country mile. So when he would hit it, like, the ball, like, you know, is orbiting the seventh moon of Jupiter. But... There would be all these other times where he would strike out 185, 200 times a year, right? Middle Tennessee was like that perfect, you know, hard-hitting Mark Witten, four for four with four home runs and 12 RBIs. Like, they had that game. And when Miami needed to dial something up to get the tempo going, to score quickly, that ability was not there. When they needed something explosive to fight back against Middle Tennessee – that proved to be a bridge too far. And that was a, a fortnight turnaround, a two-week turnaround on what I wrote and say, oh, my, this, this is really, really, really bad. And then the injury started. How much of this is on Cristobal? Like, it's year one. And it's year zero. Hmm. And it... It, and like I get where you're gonna like, hmm, and you're gonna kind of push back on that, in, in the way that he's viewing the program, that was year zero. Yeah, it really was, you know. And with everything that had gone on, you know, your, your, uh, your Al Goldens, your Mark Richts, even your Manny Diaz's, and the results like through those times, we all, we myself included, thought that this was gonna be, you know. A cosmetic redo, you know, like yeah. we're going to gut the kitchen and redo it. But like the house still stands, you know, we're still going to live here through this renovation. You know, we're just going to be going out to dinner every night. But like, yeah, we're going to, you know, new countertops, you know, do some floors, you know, get some custom built cabinets. We're going to we're going to do that. You know, maybe we're going to change out some fixtures and bathrooms. Hey, maybe we're going to upgrade these windows to Hurricane Impact windows because it's South Florida. But you think mm. it's going to be that kind of thing? Well, because they weren't they weren't no. bad. Like they just. Just felt like I, they weren't bad enough at twenty one, you know. Right, but seven and five made a bowl game. Crystal balls, right. right? But in Crystal Ball's paradigm, in his view of how a football program should be built, this is a teardown, like to the foundation and rebuild. Not even a gut renovation to the studs and leave the walls up and just gonna you know okay we're gonna rewire we're gonna replumb blah, blah, blah. no. You know, I, I like I watch a lot of reality TV. So this is like, you know, um, million dollar listing L.A. You got that beautiful old 1920s house in the Hollywood Flats and you're selling it for the price of the land because nobody's going to keep the building. Mm. That's what Chris Ball is talking about. Raise it to the ground because we even need to probably dig up and repour the foundation before we. Build. OK, that's the kind of thing that he's looking. So at. let me. So, so let me let me ask last you. Last year absolutely was year zero. Well, so let me so let me ask you this too. Was it year zero because it's a total culture shift in the program? <clears throat> yes. Because yeah. I think I, mean, I think from a talent standpoint, there was enough there to 
make a bowl game, right? But one would think. culturally, it does feel like Chris. I, I get Chris Ball's Miami guy and all that stuff, but like just in terms of how he operates and how he runs a program, he's fundamentally different than any coach they've had there in quite some time. From just from how he builds Absolutely. his culture and just kind of how things are run at Oregon, in my opinion. And how, like, he wants things to be built and run. Right. You know, like, everything, like, you know, yeah, you're shuttling guys off of the roster because you're just like, you're not going to play here. Right. Like, you don't have the body type or athleticism that, like, I want and desire in, excuse me, the team that I coach, the organization that I run. And that's just going to be it. So, yeah, like, it – it was very different. And, like, he, to his credit, Cristobal was consistent on that, on on his messaging. Now, he didn't go full chapter and verse with it, but he's just like, hey, you know, things need to change. We know that the organization, the program was not where it needed to be, and we're going to be focused on that and go along that path. I'm like, yeah, okay, like, you know, and, again, we figure, you know, a new coat of paint, you know, maybe some, you know, whatever, like, change out the hardware. He's like, okay, yep, I mean, that's a thing you could think, sure, but we're going to go about it the way we're going to go about it, which, you know, looking back on it, it, you know, is really just like, no, this is way, way, way bigger of a rebuild than you guys think. Um, but he didn't want to necessarily throw the players or previous employees under the bus, unlike one of the former coaches who now works somewhere else who did that in recruiting and <laughs> it kind of blew up on him. So, you know, uh, but yeah, Chris, who could that possibly in, in be? Case, you know, I know exactly who it is. I'm not going to say the name, but um, I know exactly which coach it was because I'd heard it at the time. But basically, in case you're, you're new to this uh, as a listener, there was a Miami coach in 2022, one of the new ones brought over by Mario Cristobal, who hated one of the players in his position group. Hated. I mean, hated. And he was recruiting a player locally at the same position and was basically oh. bad-mouthing the player on the roster. I saw you tweet about this the last day or so. Detested. Yeah. yeah, I will. After we finish recording, I will tell you who. But, um... <laughs> And so the player who was the recruit who was being recruited and this coach, ooh, I almost said the name, Lord Jesus, but this coach was bad because he, he did this over text message. So the player screenshots it and being from South Florida, knows half the roster, sends it immediately to like guys on the team that this player knows and is like, yo, this coach talking greasy about you. Like what? And so coach came back and, and it was yeah there it was, it was it was contentious to say the least um but yeah you know uh and that was one thing but yeah Mario Cristobal was not the one who um was going to necessarily throw people under the bus in the same way as that uh former assistant coach did uh but he was very clear at every time asked like yep this is we're going to build it the right way because it's not built the right way and that's all I'm going to say about that and yeah we're we're seeing that it was in the way that he wants to build it and again you're also working with dan radikovich who helped build that clemson program into what it is they have a different view so it's not just you know a band-aid on a flesh wound from what miami has been doing no we're gonna tear this thing all the way down so yeah from a, a personnel standpoint I, I think the thing that nationally people are going to point towards with miami is being a, a failure call it in in 2022 a, a failure of Mario Cristobal a failure of Josh Gaddis as offensive coordinator was that Tyler Van Dyke seemed like he regressed badly uh in 2022 from what he was in 2021 I know there were some injuries that he dealt with he missed a lot of time down the stretch he really only played the full stretch of like six of the first seven games I think but Cam, to you, I mean, how much of that is is a failure of Mario Cristobal, Josh Gaddis, versus how much of that is just it? What he did, you know, what Tyler Van Dyke did and was good at worked within Rhett Lashley's offense versus something very different that Cristobal and 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 Gaddis wanted to run there at Miami. I think it was, well, no, it was Josh Gaddis, you know, and. I'm I'm looking up the game log now, right? Mm -hmm. So, the first 
four games, including that Middle Tennessee game. You know, you're talking 13 for 16, 20 for 29, cool, 21 to 41 at Texas A&M, 16 out of 32 against Middle Tennessee, four, 193, 253, 217, and 138 with the four touchdowns and three picks across those four games. That's not great. Right? And that's a guy who was a, a candidate for ACC Player of the Year coming into the year, right? Like he, you know, yeah. coming off a hot 2021. Popular pick, yeah, popular pick. Yeah, but now after the bye week, which happened after Middle Tennessee, the first two games against Carolina and at Virginia Tech, 42-57 and 29 out of 46 for 496, 351 with five tutties and one pick. So what happened? Josh Gaddis himself said he didn't have a good handle on what Tyler did well or wanted to run. So they met after the Middle Tennessee game, and Josh Gaddis, and you can look this up because it was said at a Monday press conference after the bye week, said, or I think it was after the North Carolina game. Um, but he said, yeah, like I sat down with Tyler and I said, what do you want to run? What do you like throwing? And if you've been there since January and after four games, you're then at that point sitting down with your quarterback. This guy won a Royals award. Right. The the previous year. Literally the previous year. The question you're asking Cam is the exact question I had. Like what, (laughs) what took so long? Right. Yeah. But like, but even when you're coming on saying, yo, like I didn't really look into what, he does well or like so like what are you you're trying to fit the player to the system and not the systems to the players right like i can sit here and tell you tyler van dyke throws one of the best deep balls in america we didn't dial any of those up early he throws the smash route the high or smash and levels anything that's a high low read kills it and when he first came in for uh Derek king like you could see it on the field it was just like bro they're running smash every time or that concept is in there, you know, with the short curl and then like a flag or something behind it. And you're reading the one defender who's in conflict. If he jumps the curl, you throw the flag. If he goes sinks to the flag, you throw the curl. It's an easy high-low read off of one guy. And he doesn't ever miss it. And even when the guy tries to bait him and tries to, you know, step up and then fade back onto the flag, he's pinpoint on those throws to the point where the defender trying to bait him into interception can't even get there because his arm talent is elite enough to overcome that, you know, uh, misread, even if you want to call it that. But for Josh Gass to come out and say that, that was, that was really, truly shocking. Yeah. To say, yeah, like I had to meet with my quarterback a quarter of the, or a third of the way into the season and be like, hey, what do you want to do? What? Probably a big reason huh? why he's not the offensive coordinator anymore. Honestly, I mean, yeah, it was just it, – it, it didn't work. And then the offensive line – I mean, there were a couple of bright spots on as Cooper, a true freshman from Mount Pleasant, Alabama. He's a mountain of a man. Um, he could play really well at guard. Uh, Jalen Rivers was back after tearing up a knee uh, in 2021. Uh, he's probably our best offensive lineman. Um, you know, you still have guys miscast because John Campbell had to step in at left tackle because Zion Nelson wasn't there because uh, he had a knee injury that persisted all year. And then you have DJ Scaife, who's playing at right tackle, who's more of a guard, but he probably wouldn't even play guard because, like, the other two guards are better. You know, it, was just, it wasn't great along the offensive line, and you're trying to run all the time. You can't do anything there. You can't protect Tyler. And then in game seven, Tyler gets hurt. And I was at that game, and I saw him get sacked onto his right shoulder, and I said, oh, they're, like, there went the season. Yeah. You know, any chance that you really had to be competitive, like, there, there it went. You know, and Jake Garcia, God love him, he's transferred somewhere else now. Um, he has incredible talent, but, you know, you're, you're putting whoever back there, back there to run for their lives, you know, their lives, or, you know. Um, and then Jakari Brown is an incredible physical specimen an incredible physical specimen and a gamer, right? But he's not good enough as a passer to really be effective at this level yet. And, you know, early in the season, you know, I said, it's the UPS Express package. You know, what can Brown do for you? Because you're just going to put him in there and have him run, you know, some single wing, inverted veer, wildcat kind of variant thing. And, like, the UPS Express package was great when it was – five, six plays a game. 
Now you're going to have him start? Huh? Like that, what? You know, and it's just, yeah, it it was all all just discombobulated. I mean, just foobar everywhere, you know, just... <laughs> Yeah, it was it, it, it was really bad, and I mean, from a schematic standpoint, love a good food bar. Uh, sneaking that in. A, I mean, well, I mean the the phrase, yeah, but I mean, when we're talking about the performance of my alma mater's football team, not great, uh, <laughs> not but, ideal. You know, like schematically, not worse than ours. Line wise, um, you know, just uh, you know, and injuries upon injuries upon injuries. Then I mean, you had your annual Jalen Knighton two game suspension. So then you know, one of your most dynamic players. Is not there, and then, you know nobody on the field can uh, set your watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, set your watch by it. I mean, literally every year that he was here, he was suspended for a couple of games. Like, you know, like stay off the weed, bros. You know, shout out to Stephen A. Smith. Um, but, you know, like it was just there. There were so many different things, but I mean, going back to this is the circuitous route, way, way, way back to the the original question with Tyler Van Dyke. It was, I mean, the things were. Josh Gaddis was not prepared, I don't think, for a quarterback uh, who could pass in with the the efficiency and skill that Tyler can. And because if you if you look at what we ran, we ran the Cade McNamara version of Michigan's offense, yeah. which was we're going to do everything to not have this guy lose the game for us. Mm-hmm. But in Miami, it's like no, we need to figure out a way to keep him upright. Because with all the other deficiencies, him and his right arm are the reason that we can win. He's one of your best and players. A, yes, absolutely. He's our best player on offense. I mean, like, it it, it, it was just a, it, there was no connection at all. Um, and then the offensive line was terrible, and then he got hurt. And then he tried to gut his way through it. And I, I said at the time, I said, this is malpractice to put him back out there. Because I know that he wants to. You know what I mean? But, like... You could see in warm-ups, you know, where you do that thing where you, where you throw it once and it's just, you know, that, do that, ah, oh, you know, and kind of, you know, try to work out. And I'm like, you could, like, you could literally see it. I mean, I remember saw it. Uh, he did not play the, let me, let me just check my stats to be sure. He played the Virginia Tech game. Played, yeah, he did not play the Virginia game uh, at Virginia. He didn't even travel to that one. Uh, but yeah, he, he tried to go against Florida state and I was just like, bro, this is not good. Like, this is not, this is, this is malpractice to, to put him back out there, you know, uh, like 10 days after, you know, his latest injury or whatever. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it started bad, but I mean, it, it was like a cartoon. It was the pebble at the top of the mountain that was an avalanche. In the end, you know what I mean? Like, at first, it's like, oh, yeah, that's not bad. And then, like, okay, well, that's like a, a bowling ball. And then it's like, okay, that's a, a larger kind of thing. And, okay, it's a, a little bit bigger, you know, snowball coming down. And then all of a sudden, the entire side of the mountain is just avalanche uh, in a bad way. And I think that's how the season went for Tyler. But, yeah. Uh, that was the other thing I was going to ask was, like, the final six games of the year, you did have the four-overtime win against Virginia on the road. You had the three-touchdown win at Georgia Tech. I mean, that, that was a close game going into the fourth quarter, but they pulled away at that point. But the other four games, a three-score loss to Duke, a five-six-score loss to Florida State, a you know, four-score loss to Clemson, a four-score loss to Pittsburgh, like – did you feel like there was – was there, like, a sense of quit, even, like, maybe, like, mid-game with some of those? Like, things start to go wrong, like, oh, players yeah. just like, uh-uh, like, we're good? Hey. Oh, yeah. I quit. Yeah, there was definitely – I quit. Definitely <laughs> big I quitting quit. vibes. I quit. I quit. Um, <laughs> you know, and, but it was to the point where you could literally see – you can count the players who didn't quit. Hey, yeah. hey, I quit. Uh, but like it was Cameron Kinchins, your first team All American safety, um, Akeem Mesador, but like he even missed one of those games. Um, and I mean, yeah, it was it was there were very few players who like really were fully like just bought in all the way. I mean, because it was just like, what are we doing, you know? And just especially on offense, like it was so bad, you know. And like Miami doesn't have any kind of outside receivers. You know, Colby Young was a revelation for about two and a half games. Um, and maybe he can be something this year, you know. But, like, 
it was, you know, like, what are, what are we doing? You know, like, you can't, you can't really run anything. And it was just, when, when you saw things go right, you know, like they did uh, when Jakari Brown started against Georgia Tech, um, when things hit like that, I was like, oh, like, that's great, you know? But, yeah, you know, like, you, it, Clemson, that, was going to be speculative, you know, as soon as the schedule came out, um, you know, and that was just bad. And Jakari Brown, God love him. You know, we dial up a couple wide open guys and, you know, the ball is still sailing somewhere in South Carolina because he, <laughs> he, he saw a guy break open and it was the all of the adrenaline with that rocket for an arm and it that, that ball flew. That thing's in orbit. <laughs> where it needed to. I mean, yeah, exactly, you know, but – it was upper deck. Yeah, it, it was it was it was real bad. Um and like especially like yeah, you know, Florida State, um, two years ago, Miami beat them by six touchdowns and then lost them by six touchdowns this year. So that's twelve touchdown swing in three years' time. Joke. Uh, joke. Uh, a that's a joke. B, I mean I'm not gonna necessarily say because like, you know, I know Joseph's team. Uh, back in the day, lost two hundred and twenty-two to nothing. But that feels like a one, record in modern times. One by that number. Oh, one. Excuse me. You did win. 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 Two twenty-two to nothing. Excuse Large me. difference. Suck it, Cumberland. Um, Suck it, Cumberland. Yes. <laughs> Cumberland but catching like, strays. Yeah, no, half hour in. They were they were big quit vibes. Um, even I mean, like you saw players on the sideline, just like standing there, not holding a helmet not going over with their position group or, you know, uh, all, you know, uh, team, uh, half of the team, offense or defense for the meetings. No, like, I'm just going to sit here or stand here at the 15-yard line with an on-field pass, basically, and watch the game from here. Like, I'm ready to go, go home. Because I'm not going to – yeah, I'm ready to go home because I'm not trying anymore. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go in the game. I don't like my coaches. I don't like what's going on. I'm I'm ready to leave. So, you know, I think that they don't have a curfew, obviously, or have to go back to campus after, uh, you know, a game, especially if it's a hard rock stadium. They're like, cool, bro. Like, my people live around the way. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stay out. You know, like, if, I, if a player went to New Orleans, a player went to Carroll City, like, the stadium is on the corner of 199th and 27th. Like, Carroll City High School is off of 183rd and 32nd. So, like, you know, a couple square miles away. You know what I mean? So they live in that hood that's literally right there. Bro, like, I'm I'm good off of this. Like, let's just get to the end. We're going to go over there. I'm not going to sing the alma mater because nobody other than Cam, who's in the School of Music, knows the words of the alma mater. But I'm going to go stand over there uh, because Coach says I have to go stand over there. I'm going to go change, and I'm going to hang out with peoples. You know, like, it, yeah, there were big quit vibes in more than a couple of those games, for sure. So Mario had, like, this – he had a press conference at some point, like, later in the year where he had the, like – whole thing of like uh if you don't want to be here parents i've told the parents they can come pick the kids up or whatever and i said mm. at the time ah! i said at the time i thought that was very intentional because he knew how bad the roster was in terms of like what his vision was kind of going back to what you were saying earlier he had his vision of like what mm. the roster was going to be he knew he was going to have to have some like major turnover joey and i talked about this at the time on this podcast where he said like it's probably not the worst thing in the world right to have roster turnover because of the the quit that miami showed for a lot of the year my question for you, Cam, though, is like, it kind of feels like Cristobal did the same thing with his staff, right? Because Charlie Strong, gone. Kevin Steele, gone. Josh Gaddis, gone. I know Rod Wright took a job with the Texans, but like, he's gone. And I, I feel like there's a few more. Like, mm-hmm. Cristobal just totally revamped, like, and not only like just revamped like some secondary assistants, like, he revamped like coordinators and other like key yeah. members of the staff. It just feels like not only was it like a roster redo, it's a full-on staff redo. He fired a – I mean, we were just talking about how Gaddis didn't know up from down with Tyler Van Dyke, but, like, he won the Broyles Award at Michigan two years ago, and he's just gone. I mean, Cristobal's like, nah, you're out. And I think it's a testament to Cristobal having this vision for the program, and he just kind of just doesn't think the staff that he initially put together was the one to get it done. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, a little inside baseball just because I do uh, – well, this was put on social media, so I am not talking out of turn. I believe the tweet still lives, so I don't know if I said it on here or not or if it was on another show that I do. Um, 
But that statement about you can pick your kids up, that was in reference to Marcus Rogers, who was this, uh, the father of a player. Um, Kamari Rogers was a freshman last year uh, from Mississippi. He was All-American, tore his knee up his senior year. Um, and he wanted to get in some of these games late in the year uh, to play, but still maintain his red shirt. And the decision was made, no, you're going to stay on the sideline. You're not going to go play. And so Marcus Rogers, the father, then came on the timeline, and he was talking real greasy about all the coaches, you know, coordinators. Uh, Jamila Dye, he called out by name the defensive backs coach, you know, called him all kinds of, you know, foulness and whatnot. Um, and people were like, yo, like, I mean – I get that, like you're you're upset for your son, but like this is like mad AAU dad, like to epic levels. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. he's like, "Yo, I'm a grown ass man. I said it with my chest. It is what it is. Feel what you feel. Say what you say. Da da da. But like, I stand on my word. Jamila dies a fucking snake, and like that. Like all kinds of stuff on Twitter. You can go look this up. I think it's M Rogers eighty eight was his is his handle. Like literally, the tweets are still up. I'm not talking out of turn because he did it in public. So I don't, have, I don't feel bad about putting his name out there because he said it on his good name. So, you know, then somebody asked Cristobal about, well, da, 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 because clearly, you know, Cristobal reads the tweets uh, and everything. And, you know, he was a little bit judicious with it. But this was asked like the Monday after the Saturday night slash Sunday morning that Mr. Rogers um, made it a bad day in his neighborhood. And so... Cristobal then said, yo, if you got a problem with it, come pick your kid up. You know what I mean? Like, you want to go, you want to holler at somebody, you want to, like, literally. Uh, and then Kamari Rogers was one of the many players who did transfer away. So, I mean, I guess he did go pick his kid up and go elsewhere. Um, so that was inside that first uh, little thing in case uh, the listeners did not know that. In terms of the coaching staff, I think that Cristobal realized that the – the whole is greater than the sum of the individual parts, you know? And I think that he tried to build a super team without any concern for how those individuals would work together. And a little bit kind of hand-waving any concerns about scheme or adaptability or things that he might have had. Um... But yeah, it's basically just like I'm I'm hiring this all-star staff. Like everybody has a name that you know. They've done great in other places. We're going to put it all together and make it work. And like, hey, sometimes the collage works like that and everything comes together and it's beautiful in its diversity, right? Um but sometimes it is the fact of oh shoot, I forgot I had this presentation in Spanish class. And I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and go over to the 24-hour Walgreens and get a poster board and cut up some stuff and put it together and turn that in and then hope to get an A. But, like, I, whatever happens, happens. Um, and I think it ended up being the, the latter. So, you know, of the assistants, Gaddis was the one who was fired. Was, you, know, you, yes, no, we are ending your employment. I mean, some of the other ones were gently encouraged to she- seek shelter elsewhere. You know, so Frank Ponce, who was the quarterback's coach. Well, when you when you f- hi- fire the offensive coordinator, you're going to need to hire an uh, offensive coordinator. And our offensive coordinator in Josh Gaddis did not coach quarterbacks, which is crazy. So you're going to need to fire the quarterback's coach to get a quarterback, you know, OC slash QB. So when that move was clearly going to happen, we said, hey, look, we're going to go in a different direction, Frank. You can you know, find somewhere else to be. And he was like, hey, I've worked at App State twice. So I'm going to go back there and be the play calling OC for the third time. Great. Cool, 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 cool. Um, You know, uh, the running backs coach, he goes back to Ole Miss, says, great. Like, I was there. Let me go back with Lane, you know, Um, and things like that. And, you know, Charlie Strong was mad because he didn't get interviewed for the defensive coordinator spot when Kevin Steele went back to work for Nick Saban for a fourth time and third at Alabama. And we get it confirmed. So that's why he left. And then he, uh, Charlie Strong actually goes to uh, Alabama in an analyst role <laughs> uh, over there. Uh, Wait, he did really? The other day. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that was announced yesterday. I saw that the um, day after on Wikipedia. I thought somebody was just making that up. Apparently, that's real. No, wow. sir. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that is true and accurate information. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, and then Rod Wright goes to the NFL, uh, back to Houston, where he's from and uh, from as a, like, a person and played in the NFL. Uh, also, you know, he went to Texas. So all those kind of things, you know, work for him. Um, and then, you know, Cristobal has the ability to go and get – some guys to do things a little bit differently. And, you know, everything that I've seen written, I listened to, he was on the 247 Sports Recruiting Podcast um, the, the other day. I was listening to that earlier. He was talking about, yeah, you know, like we're talking about the uh, the kind of scheme that we're going to run is going to be a little bit different. Um, and just adaptability. And, you know, Shannon Dawson, the new offensive coordinator, yeah, he comes from the air raid tree, but he marries that with power run. And that's what I want to do. And I'm like, well, that seems to track from what you did at Oregon. So, okay, cool. You know, when you look at Lance Guidry, like he was at Marshall and had a top five in the country defense in 22 different metrics, you know? Okay, cool. Now you're going to go back and you're going to run more of a four two five, you know, um, which, you know, people get caught up on that. Think back to what Miami ran when Manny Diaz was here and we had that striker position, that hybrid, you know, safety outside backer. You're going to bring that back. So it's like, well, that's what we did recently. That was good. And then the air raid up tempo Lashley thing, but then we're going to marry that with more of a power run as opposed to inside zone. You're now going in a way where I think that you can take advantage of the talent on the roster and suit the scheme to the talent as opposed to trying to make the talent fit, you know, fit the scheme. And there's a mismatch there. You know what I mean? And we clearly saw those mismatches, uh, that mismatch between uh, personnel and scheme last year. And, you know, to his credit, I said, I don't even, I haven't even looked at all the good, bads, and uglies that I wrote last year. But there were so many coaching jobs that I said were fireable offenses. I read most of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, but, I mean, yeah, there was, it was like, what, five, six, I mean, it wasn't all the losses because I didn't say it over the Texas A&M game because that was not fireable. It was a game that we lost, but like it wasn't Middle Tennessee. That was there were yeah no there, there were fireball offenses in that game. But you know if Kevin I'm writing Steele, five baby. or six times, Kevin Steele, baby. Hey, well you know things happen, and Kevin Steele pushing back uh, at one of my friends who runs another site about um, the number of explosive plays allowed on defense, and he got real real ornery about the program uh, and everything. And he was yeah he was like, it, it wasn't that mean like he got really. Sounds he like got really cross. Sounds like he was getting uh, ready to stage another thing. coup. Even, <laughs> I mean, hey, uh, I was gonna say at least Cristobal doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, one I mean, bad hey, year, get steal the hell like, off my staff, man. He could have been like Jimbo and hired Bo- uh, what's his name, Bobby, uh, Bobby Petrino. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, inviting a, a wolf into that hen house. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, my my point was like this: Sleep with one eye. If open. I wrote that five times in the year, coaching jobs were fireable, and you didn't fire anybody, then that's insanity because you're going to do the same thing the same way and expect a different result. At least he had the, the clarity of thought to say, yes, I messed up. I made some mistakes in how we do things and who we have doing those things. So now we're going to make changes. And I've seen Miami fans get, you know, a little bit upset because, you know, to point your question, like, yo, like we have six new assistants this year as opposed to last year. Did you want those same coaches doing the same job? Yes or no? And if it wasn't good enough, then you cannot then also say, oh, well, Mario's, you know, trying to go change things. Yes, he's trying to change things after one year, year, which is year zero, because you can clearly see that what we're doing or what they did last year was not good enough. So now we're going to go and try to change some things up. I would rather that proactive approach as opposed to if you had that same coaching staff from 2022 back in 2023. Oh, hell no. I'm out from day one. Like, it's, it's, no, no, I'm, uh-uh, no, 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 no. That would have been wholly unacceptable. So, I mean, yeah, it is, there is a lot of change that is ongoing, but I believe it to be necessary change to get to where we want to be. So, so let me, let's put a pin in that real quick because I do want to come back to that. <laughs> let me remind people real quick about section103.com. There it is, premier baby. place. There it is. I don't forget. I don't forget. 
The Internet's premier place to buy all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. They've got things for men, women, children, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, all things wonderful. Use the official word marks. They've got the official Tech Gold. Everything you want there at section103.com. It's baseball season. They've got the official baseball three-quarter sleeve T-shirt right there. Looks great. It's ultra comfortable. Cannot, uh, cannot recommend it highly enough. Go to Section 103, buy all the things you need for Georgia Tech Apparel. It is uh, Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, things with the official, again, the official word marks, the official Tech Gold. Um, they've got performance wear. Keeps me cool in the, in, the, uh, in the summer. I highly recommend it. I would be wearing it right now, uh, but I've been wearing it all week, and my kids see it and think it's like a great spit-up target, apparently. My, my six-month-old, apparently. But um, in any case, she, she approves of it as well, as I think what she's trying to tell me. So go to section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order uh, for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Cam, you mentioned, um, you know, we made some changes on the coaching staff, but they were necessary coaching changes. I just it's it's been an interesting trajectory for me going back in the last like 12 ish months. Right. Like Mario Cristobal's hired. It's a coup. It's a big deal. It's it's very popular. You know, everyone's really optimistic. The season happens. Not great. Recruiting class. Really, really good. Changing over the coaching staff. Like, you know, it got some negative publicity, basically. But like you're saying, maybe a good thing. Like where is where is your level of optimism at right now? And how does that compare to where it was 12 months ago for this Mario Cristobal Miami program? My level of optimism is still high, but the time horizon is longer than it was when, you know, of of what I thought when he was hired. You You thought meeting expectations would happen faster than it seems like it's going to. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And my target for those expectations was – you know, way closer on the timeline. You know, I'm thinking, you know, eight, nine wins in 22, nine to 10 and 23, pushing for a playoff spot in 24, right? That's, that was what my mentality was the moment he was hired. Because again, we went seven and five in 21. You figure, cool, you got a better coach. He's going to bring in some players. He's going to, you know, bring some of that special recruiting sauce. You know, da, da, da. We're going to, we're going to be good with it. But, yeah, from the teardown aspect of year zero of 22, yeah, like I'm definitely looking more into the – a little bit further into the future um, to hit the kind of performance that I think that we all desire. But I, I'm – we've seen Cristobal build a program. So, I mean, look, I am not saying this is a championship program. But he did really well at FIU and had multiple NFL guys there. And FIU was the dregs of the earth, like the literal worst team in football. And he would have stayed there for another year or two, but their former AD, Pete Garcia, is a moron and didn't like the fact that Cristobal was like, you know, an alpha male and wasn't going to kowtow to him, so he fired him. Not for performance, but just because he thought that Cristobal was a jerk because he was not going to listen to his outside input from somebody who hasn't done the thing. You know what I mean? Um, but then he goes to Alabama you know, learns that secret sauce, then he goes to Oregon, and that's proof of concept right there. Was it a championship? I mean, division? Conference? Yeah. National championship? No, but, like, that's the proof of concept. But I, yeah, think it's going to be a longer-term journey to get there. But I'm still optimistic because we've seen him do it before. We're getting to a point now with we're so late in recording these season recaps that it's really just going to double as a spring preview. Cam, spring practice kicks off Saturday. Is that right? Yes, sir. I mean, is the biggest storyline really just like how's this coaching staff? I mean, I get spring ball, right? But is it like how how is this coaching staff going to mesh? Or is it Van Dyke plus how is this coaching staff going to mesh? Is it... A little bit of everything because you, it's two coordinators you're replacing. Like, what yeah. is the single biggest question going into spring practice? What is this team going to look like this year? You know, I think like how, like what is, what's the offensive and defensive install look like? Like, yeah, what does Tyler Van Dyke look like? Uh, you know, with another new coordinator, um, 
you know, his third and four years here um, and everything. Like, yeah, you know, and you just want to see, yeah, like, uh, you know, are the are the guys, are they healthy? You know, we're starting to see some of the, the weight room progress pictures, especially of the early enrollees who've only been here since January. They've been here like less than two months. And some of these, uh, you know, body reconstructions are, you know, they, they give you cause for optimism, but like you need to obviously, you know, turn that into some kind of performance on the field. But yeah, you know, I'm interested to see really what the install process looks like and like the early returns on what this team is going to do and do well. Because there are players at every level that like every team in America wanted. So there's tons of talent. What are Shannon Dawson and Lance Gidry going to do with that talent? You know, um, and those are the, uh, the new coordinators. Um, Derek Nicholson, your inside linebackers coach, former Florida State standout, who coached at uh, Louisville. You know, he's a very good coach and a dynamic recruiter. You love to see it. Um, Hall of Fame defensive end Jason Taylor, you may have heard of him. First time. Uh, he is the defensive end. Yeah. Oh, oh okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, he was a, a really good NFL player, played 17 years. Uh, Joey, I don't know if you know this, but he went to Akron for college. Um, the Akron <laughs> Zips? Uh, the Akron Zips uh, before a Hall of Fame career with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I learned that like 10 minutes team. before we hit record, by the way. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he is the uh, – he's taking over for Rod Wright as the defensive ends coach. So I'm very confident in the development of my defensive ends uh, there. And Jason Taylor was the defensive ends coach at St. Thomas Aquinas for a couple of years. You might have heard of some of their uh, alumni going on to great things. And then he was the defensive coordinator for a couple of years before stepping up to an analyst role and now on-field role, in addition to being eh, a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? So, like, that'll work. Um, you know, uh, Tim Harris Jr., um, the son of the legendary Ice Harris, uh, the head coach for uh, Booker T. Washington, um, with all of their, you know, championships and, you know, incredible players. Uh, he comes down, he was the associate uh, head coach at UCF, and now he's Miami's running backs coach. So, like, there's, you know, really talented and accomplished guys who are on this staff now. Oh, and Kevin Beard, my guy, is back. Um, uh, as the wide receivers coach, he held that position at Miami, and then he went uh, to the NFL for a little bit, and then he was at Toledo with Jason Candle, developing their receivers, multiple of which are still in the NFL. Um, you know, and now he's coming back. But, like, there's a lot of new faces around, but I think that, again, this is positive change, necessary change. Uh, but, yeah, I want to see how – what does this team start to identify as – throughout this install process of spring who really develops um, and who has developed over the last year, you know, guys who didn't play much, you know, like a Cyrus Moss from um, Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, this Jason Taylor clone, like this six, six, 220 pound defensive end didn't play much last year. Cause it was a light in the pants, but you've been in the weight room. He's supposed to be around 240, 245 Now as a retro freshman, you're going to see the field, right? I mean, if you earn it, but, you know, I want to see how everybody, you know, is developing. But, yeah, it's, it really comes down to, you know, these coordinators, the quarterback, and then after that I would have to say the offensive line because they were so inconsistent last year. Uh, and, I mean, I don't want to necessarily uh, Billy Bob, Lance Harbor them, but, like, they're kind of the reason that Tyler Van Dyke got injured last year. So I want to see if they're able to be a measure better. My last question, Cam, you know, we head into 2023, the uh, the second year of the Cristobal era. Is there a baseline level of on-field accomplishment that you need to see that you would quantify as a success versus a failure this year? And it could be, you know, if there's a certain number they hit that's like exactly meeting expectations, more is better, worse is, is missing expectations, but... Is, yeah. is it a win-loss thing? Is, is there something that you need to see this fall that is definitively like, 
we're succeeding or we're failing here? It's a couple of things to me. Um, number one, it's wins because, you know, we played to win the game. So you have Shout to, out Herm. You have to make yeah, straight up. Wait, no, that was uh, Jim Mora. Sorry. <laughs> Herm catching strays, baby. <laughs> sorry. He's got, um, he's got enough shit he's in. <laughs> no, that was Herm. Wait, was it? It was Herm with the Jets. You play yes. to win the game? Oh, yeah, that was Herm. That was You're Herm. right. All right, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Jim Moore yeah, playoffs. Okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah, you think yeah. it's just a banner moment for our podcast right there. That was embarrassing. Yeah. Come on, come on. Um, we all need well, to yeah, sleep more. to win the games. <laughs> And you have to win at least six. I mean, I really want it to be more than that, you know. But a baseline, a bare minimum is bowl eligibility. You have to take that step forward this year. Otherwise, you failure. Practices, you get all other things. Like, you, you have to. So there's that. And then in terms of, you know, like, numbers and metrics and things like that, I would say – just improvement, you know, like if, if you're looking at, and I, I, oh, I don't have that open, but like Miami was 118th in explosive plays, explosive play rate, you know what I mean? Like nine, uh, I think in the 100s of yards per play, those need to get up into the 70s, you know, not necessarily top but from atrocious to bad or mediocre that's the step forward i need to see it's a big from the difference. offensive line as well like yes i mean from abjectly terrible to simply bad or like bad or better you know is such a massive step forward from where things were and when you combine all of those things those internal components then i think that will lead you to the positive game results that I want to see. So I think if you put a few of those things together, that's really what I'm looking at. But uh, at the end of the day, it will have to be, unless it's like some real crazy story behind it, you know, and like, oh, you know, Clemson got a blocked field goal and it ping-ponged and they scored a touchdown, like you know, like something like that. Um, absent a loss or something that has those kind of parameters with it. Yeah. Like it really got to have seven. I would say like, really like I don't want to push to eight wins just because like, you know, once bitten, well, 15 times bitten 16th time shy, I guess, because mine has been bad for so long, but like, yeah, I think a, a little bit of a few couple things are, are what I'm looking at to improve. That's all I got, Joey. Like I said, that was my last question. Cam, phenomenal as always. Really appreciate your time here. No, it's always fun. And I saw in the chat, uh, was named the king of analogies, but yeah, you know, I, I enjoy <laughs> storytelling. So <laughs> glad that you guys uh, enjoy going on these journeys with me. The King of Analogies, and somehow, you know, by the way, it's like, it's only the episodes that we have you on that people respond, and they're like, who are the sweet, sultry tones on this episode coming from? <laughs> like, man, you you have the voice for this. Thank God, I think you also had a second life in, uh, I think, choir, like singing, like that kind of thing. You you got it, yeah. man. No, yeah, I mean, my, uh, <laughs> my voice changed the summer that I turned 11. Um, <laughs> Literally, truly, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I scared my mother by asking for pancakes for breakfast because she was facing away from me at the at the stove when I came down the <laughs> stairs in the back of the kitchen. And she she almost jumped out of her skin because she thought that some grown man had broken in our house and was going to do vile things. <laughs> Wanted um, breakfast. But no, like, I mean, like, literally, she asked me, you know, uh, pancake, like, literally in this voice. But, like, I'm a little I've kid, come for the know, jewelry and the breakfast. What a great. Yeah. It was, it was one of those kind of things. But, uh. No man, I, I really am. I mean, well, I'm I'm glad my voice is back because you know I don't know if y'all remember I did have I that do. injury thing. I do. Mm. Well, you know, and everything. So uh, to to sound ninety five, ninety three percent like 
the me that I've known for the last thirty something years since my voice changed uh, is is uh, it does my heart well. So you know I, I appreciate you know you guys and uh, if you are one of those listeners who uh, you know does comment in, then I do ask uh, you know that you just come on over and fan with us at stateoftheu.com. That is the website that I run and have managed for going on thirteen years now, which is kind of crazy. Holy to say. crap! Um, wow. Or 12, sorry. This is 11 going on 12 of being the editor of that site. So uh, there's that. I also do another show with Mark Rogers on Wednesday nights. We post those on social media and on YouTube. So you can go uh, check those out as well. Uh, Our Twitter and Facebook are at The State of the U. My personal Twitter account is at Underwood Sports, where I tweet about all manner of things. Uh, Reality television, my video game chronicles. Currently, I am playing MLB 21 with a fake athletics franchise, uh, which has won <laughs> one World Series in five years. We're in year six of that. Uh, just traded away Matt Olson to make room for my uh, 23-year-old Cuban first baseman prospect, Gilberto Quintero, to take over at first base. Uh, you know, hit a game-winning home run off of, uh, what's his face, Walker Bueller against the Dodgers. I was just watching that game, uh, you know, in my franchise earlier today. Uh, you streaming this on Twitch? Or? I wanted to watch so. No, I don't get into the Twitch thing just because like I need to get a better computer and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But okay. you know, right. I do live tweet about it and all kinds of other stuff, and I try to be interactive. So you know, if, hey, if you see me talking about something, you want to talk about it, you can slide in my mentions or you know DMs or whatever. But you know, it's uh, always great to be here. You know, I do uh, you know enjoy uh, being here on this here podcast for another time. I am the best guest, Dan Rubin, if you're listening. So, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Move aside, buddy. <laughs> uh, hope he's doing well. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoy it, man. It's always fun. Cam, I, I we appreciate all the insights. We even really, really appreciate you, like, plugging yourself without us even having to ask, number one. Uh, number one, number two, shout out to Mark Rogers, secret godfather of this podcast. Um, so, yeah. shout out to him as yeah. well. Yeah. Mark's the goat. Mark's the goat, man. <laughs> Cam, you're the man. Really appreciate your time here. No worries. Let's get out of here. Uh, we will come back. We got some news we got to hit up on, uh, Mike. That's what happens, you know, when we go like a month without recording. It's even in the offseason, there's stuff we got to get caught up on. And it, it, there is some big deal stuff uh, that has happened in the last few weeks that we got yeah. to talk about. We're going to do that soon. Uh, in the meantime, we are on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SI. Together at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, go follow Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports uh, or at the State of the U. Is that right? At the State of the U? The State of the, the U? The State of the U. That is right. At the State of the U on Twitter. Uh, go find him there. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, all the good places you go find your podcast. Hit the follow button, the subscribe button, give us five-star reviews. We appreciate that stuff. Um, send us emails, questions, comments, concerns. It's the off-season. We need stuff to talk about. So hit us up at the longest email address, known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. YouTube. 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 Go, Scott. Go. Do your thing. Yeah, go check go check us out. YouTube.com slash at the ACC Football Podcast. We still haven't changed that yet, but go find <laughs> us there. We are unveiling uh, a new guest visual platform. So, Cam, you will be the first person on that visual platform once I edit it all together. So, if you're just listening to this, at least go check out what you'll see from guests uh, in the year of 2023. Oh, wow. Okay. Hell, yeah. He- hell to the yeah. That's a plug. Where else are we on the uh, social medias? Uh, Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find some of our podcasts there. Also, in addition, Ariel Espinoza from uh, BetUS. You owe us some money, pal. Oh, no. You owe us some money. (laughs) He's probably not working there anymore. (laughs) He never worked there. We will never get another sponsor again. Uh, (laughs) I think that's all I got. Mike, Scott, Cam, anything else before we get out of here? I I'm just here for the last baby. Go uh, try to sleep. And we are the three best friends that anyone did have. And Mike. And me. One last note. I found out during this podcast that uh former Miami running backs coach Kevin Smith is actually also former Lions running backs coach. Run, uh, former Lions running back Kevin Smith. That was something I learned today. So you've now learned it as well. 
So Cam has been able to live in the misery of him as a running back of his favorite team and also a coach on his favorite team. So excellent. All these things are true. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't think I wrote the, the profile of him when we hired him, but I was just like, wait, is that the same, like the Kevin Smith who ran for 2 million yards at UCF that one year and then was drafted by the Lions? Indeed it was. The Kevin Smith. Yep. Forgot about the UCF stint. Wow. Man, I am aging myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the more you know. Gentlemen, it's been fun. Appreciate your time. We'll do it again soon, all right? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, Producer Scott, and Mr. Cam Underwood, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.